my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Today's program, Glenn, I think was about learning. I think it was yeah. all about education. And we learned a lot. We did learn, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. We learned Glenn could lose his temper. Yes. yes we well, that, one I, that one I learned a long time ago, but <laughs> we also yeah. learned um, about a wonderful story of a, of a woman named Liz and her childhood. Now, we're not, I mean, are we sure that Liz is a woman? They, I don't want to misgender. I have no idea yeah. what she is or. But you're going to learn a lot about parenting, mm-hmm. good parenting yes. from Liz's uh Mom or dad, whichever she chooses to identify as. Uh, And we take you through, and this is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Not as bad as psoriasis, you know, that, that, the heartbreak of psoriasis is horrible. But this is a heartbreaking story about what it's like to be poor. Um, The city of Highland Park was going to have a, 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 a really, a, a horrifying event happening at the country club of Highland Park where rich people were going to pretend they were poor for two and a half hours. <laughs> and uh, we take you through that exercise and it's pretty tough. You don't want to miss today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. How was your weekend? Great, Glenn. How about you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, of course, I, you know, I found out this weekend that the, uh, the Constitution is a little outdated and is actually putting our democracy at risk. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a strange hmm? thing to say. What do you mean? Because to me, the Constitution protects all aspects of democracy that exist in our republic. Well, it has. we're not a democracy. It has until we had Facebook. Oh. You know, now we have social media. Now it puts it at risk. Hmm. So How does that work exactly? Well, they didn't see it. They didn't see that. They didn't see social media coming. So That's true. You know, and and I'm guessing that's one of the many things that makes it outdated. Here, Hmm. let's listen to the Harvard government professor discussing his new book, Tyranny of the Minority. Listen to this. Well, we are the only presidential democracy in the world where the president can lose the the election, lose the popular vote and become president. We are one of the few democracies in the world where the a major legislative body, the, the Senate, uh, the party that loses the popular vote can can control and routinely does control the Senate. We are mm. the only established democracy in the world where justices have lifetime tenure. There's no term limits. There's no uh, retirement Mm. age. So Mm. this set of institutions and others allows political minorities Mm. to systematically thwart and sometimes even govern over majorities. Since its founding, uh, we've improved the Constitution. We've, We've done the hard work of making our Constitution more democratic. 
you know, women got the right to vote at the beginning of the 20th century by amending the Constitution. Mm -hmm. We began to elect senators rather than appoint senators at the beginning of the 20th century. And our democracy has has strengthened itself over time through amendments, through improving it. What's tragic in our view is that in the last 50 years, we've sort of stopped doing that work. Whereas other democracies have continued to make their constitutions more democratic. Since around 1970, we've abandoned that project. Hmm. Hmm. Tyranny of the minority. Wow. It's a good thing we have these Harvard professors that know everything and can teach the new government students, the new law students, how to view this outdated constitution. Tyranny of the minority. So tyranny of the majority is is easy. That happens all the time where a majority, we just get 51% to go, yeah, let's get them. And you get them. Uh, and it's wonderful. Then you have situation. Oh, is sure. It, is it is. wonderful you, the right word you're looking for there? Yeah, well, of course it is because it's the majority. It's the majority. When is the majority ever wrong? They get what they want, mm-hmm. and they just implement whatever that is mm-hmm. on the minority, mm-hmm. and that's better now on the left's eyes. That's interesting because <laughs> I, I they were complaining about the opposite for a very long time. Well, maybe, um, but now it's different. You know, we have, I guess, social media. You know, and we have we have fake meat now. So mm-hmm. the founders couldn't have seen the fake, fake meat no, thing I, going on. Maybe not, but still, so, I don't know why that would have anything to do with So this. that's the tyranny of the majority. Mm-hmm. When you get 51% that tells everyone else exactly how to live. Now, tyranny of the minority would be things like, I have to change uh, my whole life. I have to change all my values. I have to change... Uh, you know, maybe worried about my daughter going into sports or going into a locker room or going into a bathroom. I have to worry about my wife going into a bathroom because a very, 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 very small minority says that they are something they are scientifically not. And so I have to worry about the minority, because the minority, a very small minority, is now subjecting the majority to their beliefs. And you must comply. Just like when you have 51%, and you must comply. That's what makes our, if I may use the words of the Harvard doctor, I'm a doctor too. Uh, It makes his uh, point, his claim about the republic invalid because, yes, that is exactly what a democracy gives you. We are a representative republic. So it's a balance to slow government down from doing anything. It's to slow it down. Why? Why, why is a slow government good? A slow government is good because it can't react quickly to anything. So, in other words, you have to stop and think, should we do the Patriot Act? And hopefully there's enough Chuck checks and balances that the answer comes back, no. 
It's a violation of everyone's rights. In our constitutional republic, we have something called the Bill of Rights that is supposed to stop the bullying of the majority and the minority. Now, they'll say, oh, no, the left has all of the power. So you better you better be nice. You better shut up or they'll come and get you. The reason why Americans have never been afraid of bullies is because we have rights. And those rights cannot be changed or taken away by anybody in government, minority or majority. We have rights. Those rights are supposed to chain the government. Think of the government as a rabid dog. Because that's what it is right now. A rabid dog at the end of its chain. And it will, it will eat anyone that gets in its way. Why? Not because of democracy. Not even because of the Constitution. It is the amendments to the Constitution that state clearly. They were written a year after the Constitution because our oh-so-dusty, out-of-touch founders knew that over time, people in politics and people who wanted power would violate people's rights. And so they wanted to make sure that the most important rights, five of the most important rights are in the First Amendment. Government cannot violate these rights. Let's spell it out as clearly as possible for those who wish to confuse, delude, or out and out lie to the American people. Let's write it out clearly. Government in this country, unlike every other country, cannot do these things. So no, Mr. Harvard professor, I tend to disagree with you with every fiber of my being. It's not outdated. We haven't used it since your heroes of Woodrow Wilson and House and FDR took and peed all over that. The discrediting of this Constitution began with the progressives, who, by the way, were communists who just didn't believe in a bloody revolution. They wanted the same thing, just no bloody revolution. That's what progressivism actually is. And for anybody who's like, that's not true. Well, then tell me what we're going toward. Because I don't think we're going towards a freer world. I don't think we're headed towards a better world. It seems to me if you stand in the way, the minority or the majority will cut you down. Let us raise a standard that the wise and the honest can repair. George Washington, end of the Constitutional Convention. Let us rise a standard 
where people can come and find shelter under. And they did. And currently your government is not abiding by that constitution. And your professors that that all of us, not me, thank God I learned my lesson. All of us are paying for our children to go into these indoctrination camps. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Megan. How are you? Hi, I'm well. How you doing? Uh, very good. So your uh, your interview and the interview that the president did on MSNBC are are getting a lot of play over the weekend um, because uh, in some in some places he seemed to be hedging his bet. And on MSNBC, uh, he talked about a 15 week uh, limit on abortions. Yeah, well, he's this is one of the reasons why President Trump needs to put himself out there more because just like president basement, it's not okay for either one of these leading candidates on the Dem or the GOP side to stay underground. So to his credit, Trump is putting himself out there much, right. much more than Joe Biden, but we absolutely need to be probing their positions as the American public tries to make a decision and Trump on the social issues with all due credit for the Supreme court justices we got has always been a little wishy-washy. He's lived Pretty much 75 years. He's 77 now, I guess, 73, whatever it is, before he became president as a Democrat. <laughs> you right. know, he, well, one of my debate questions for him back in 2016 was, when did you become a Republican? Because if you look back at his life, he's been much, much more of a Democrat and more liberal on social issues, like virtually everyone in New York City is. And I think there's still a fair amount of that in him so is this for instance let me play a clip um with you where he was talking about can a man become pregnant play it can a man become a woman um (laughs) in my opinion you have a man you have a woman I, i i think i think part of it is birth can the man give birth no no, although they'll come up with some answer to that also. Someday I heard just the other day, they have a way that now the man can give birth. No, I would say uh, uh, I'll continue my stance on that. So what, it, what was your takeaway? Because he never really answered it, but he did shake his head no towards the beginning. What's your takeaway from that? Well, I thought it was weak sauce. He, I really wish he, he did better on that. I like Ron DeSantis's answer, I'm going to be honest. Which is no, no, right, no, <laughs> right, no, obviously no, and it's not determined based on who can give birth. <laughs> it's determined by God, and it's pretty obvious just as soon as you come out of the womb. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it continues to be, notwithstanding this weird agenda by some activists in this crazy trans agenda pushing cult. Um, so Trump clearly knows that. I don't know if he's got. Maybe he's trying to, like, appease some group of trans voters that he thinks is going to make the difference with him. Even when I had Don Jr. on my show, he was kind of dancing around this issue. I I think that they think they're somehow going to do better with Democrats if they don't hit this straight on, even though, I mean, 98 percent of the Republican Party is united on this issue. This is not it is not a winner for any Republican to hedge on this. Uh, just ask Asa Hutchinson. So 
I'm not sure what he's thinking. I feel like this and the abortion thing, he must be thinking more general election where there are Democrats who don't feel as Republicans do. But um, I really think there's such a small voting group on this particular issue. He needs a better answer, and I hope he gets it soon. So, Will, do you think this will uh, shake the tree at all? I mean, I think he looks at the poll numbers and thinks there's, I mean, I'm going to win. Uh, so why not start a moderate campaign now? Uh, because I'm going to win the the primary. So let's just get past that and just start being you know, more moderate to appeal to a wider audience than just the Republicans. Do you think that's going to work? I don't. I mean, I'm much more in the Ann Coulter field of thinking when it comes to who the party should nominate. I think they should nominate somebody who's going to drive turnout. And generally with Republicans, that means someone who is conservative, who is genuinely conservative. Look at what happened with John McCain. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. they've tried to go more moderate. It doesn't work. Um, now, Trump does drive turnout because he's Trump and there's something about him that, you know, his core constituency finds very appealing. And, you know, that 30 percent isn't going to abandon him, even if he comes out and says he wants abortions in the ninth month. I mean, that's re- are really the, that's really the question, not whether he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. But could Trump say that he's pro-abortion ninth month and still hold on to that core 30 percent? Glenn, I think the answer is yes. Um, and he's almost toying with that experiment right now. He's not pro-abortion ninth month. He's really more banking on the fact that he appointed the three justices who made the difference on Roe v. Wade. And he's not going to lose any Republican voters to Joe Biden on the issue of abortion. Right. He's playing the long game. But he does need to generate enthusiasm. And it's already tamped down, not in that 30 percent of Republicans, but the other half who are tepid on Trump. So let me ask you about Joe Biden here for a second. Because uh, I've started to see, uh, for instance, there was a an article in the Washington Post from a, a big a big player uh, on the left, and uh, in the editorial he said, you know, I love Joe Biden and he's done great things and nothing against anything he's ever done, but I think it's time for him to go, and I think that you see the supporters uh, and the uh, the key members possibly starting to move in and saying, you know, Joe, I think maybe you should go. Do you think he is the uh, candidate by the time we get to the the uh, election? I don't know, Glenn. I'm seeing what you're seeing. It seems like there's a movement underfoot to gently oust him and her. That was what was interesting yeah, about the yeah, yeah. season in WAPO, which was, they both need to go. We don't want to be stuck with her. <laughs> but, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. They selected her for identity politics reasons, and good luck subbing her out uh, and subbing in some other dem, like Gavin Newsom, you know, who doesn't check the right boxes. And even who does check the right boxes. Uh, Sonny Hostin, woke identity politics warrior over on The View, was saying if he subs out Kamala Harris, he's going to lose the black vote. We're not interchangeable, even if he puts back in a black woman. But in any event, you can feel the ground shifting. CNN doing a long fact check on Mm -hmm. Biden's live last Thursday. I've Mm -hmm. never seen them unleash their Daniel Dale guy on Biden. That was always a Trump thing. Um, Now more and more sort of getting interested in just how old President Biden is and polling heavily on it. And the results are disastrous. The Ignatius piece, um, there's been just example after example of how they seem to be realizing 
you know what? He can't do it. We're going to lose if we stick with him. But I also think you have to ask yourself realistically, how do you get rid of him? You know, I think there's some fantasy that Barack Obama could do it. He could come get, you know, like give him the tap on the shoulder like you'd get at the, at the dance. Time to yeah. sit down. Your dancing's over. Um, I'm not sure. Well, it, what, it, it's exactly. What man voluntarily walks away from power like that? Well, voluntarily, uh, George Washington. But remember that Nixon did that. And Nixon only did it when he realized the party was no longer with him. When all of the people he counted on uh, to help support him were turning on him. And that's when he decided to resign. There's a there's a good way to do this. And there is the tough way. And we're offering you the chance to make this your idea. And uh, I think part of the pressure might be the Hunter Biden scandal. When you saw the um, uh, the uh, charges last week. Are these real or are these bogus, too? The gun charges? Yes. I mean, look, they're, they're real in that he did it, and any one of us would have been charged for it, so okay. But, of course, they were brought very reluctantly by a guy who's on his side. David Weiss, the U.S. attorney for Delaware, is on Hunter Biden's side. He's the man who's been investigating him for six years, who let the most damning charges expire under the statute of limitations, even though Hunter's lawyers offered what's called a tolling agreement. They offered to extend the statute of limitations, and David Weiss said, nah, that's okay. He's, this, is, this is his prosecutor, so we're supposed to believe now he's going to be tough on Hunter. B.S., it was a fig leaf charge on only the gun uh, statute, which, by the way, a lot of people think won't even hold up. This gun statute's been deemed unconstitutional under the Second Amendment, oh and... Gosh. So it's possible they could go away on constitutional grounds that would probably be acceptable to most Republicans. Uh, so it's a kind of a low stakes matter. But let's say let's say he gets convicted, which he probably will. Some are saying this is a smart move by the Republicans because at least now Hunter and Joe have real skin in the game. He could potentially face jail time. And maybe it gives Dems like Obama and the party leaders on the Dem side the power to go to Joe and say, do it for Hunter. You'll pardon him while announcing you're just a one-termer. Mm-hmm. You can give your son the pardon, keep him out of jail, save the Democrat Party. You'll be on Mount Rushmore, and you can <laughs> save the whole family. Yes. But you know what? If that's the price it takes to get him out of there, uh. let's do it. <laughs> uh, so be as, uh, be as tough on this as you can be. When you see the uh, the left saying there there's no evidence, there's no evidence. They've got no evidence. There's plenty of evidence. I don't know if that all adds up to, you know, proof, but there's tons of evidence. If you were standing in a court of law, because it's what you used to do, and your client was Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And you saw the evidence that the prosecution has shown already, and they say there's more. How would you assess your chance of winning? It would de- depend on the evidentiary standard. If it's preponderance of the evidence, where you just have to prove 51% more likely than 49% not, he's guilty. If it's beyond a reasonable doubt, I would acquit him. So far. 
so far. But we that's only because we haven't gotten all the bank records, which they're about to get. So but there's a it's more than 51 percent likely he did this. I mean, I would put it more up in the 60s. But if you're talking about conviction of a crime, yeah, not there yet. And um, what do the bank records, what are you looking for in the bank records? What do they have to show? Well, I mean, I would want to see the actual deposits of the money. But, you know, it's into Joe Biden's accounts in order to, you know, actually convict of a crime. But we had Peter Schweitzer on the show on Friday, and he's, of course, the hunter expert. Yeah. He was making some very interesting points about how, in order to show bribery, in order to show corruption, you really don't even need to show any deposits into Joe Biden's accounts. Showing the deposits into Hunter Biden's accounts is enough, not to mention the other eight family members Correct. who are on the take. Correct. You know, I mean, the, the benefit to the family member is sufficient. Mm-hmm. And this kind of brings me back to where I'm coming into this whole corruption scandal. I almost feel like Republicans are overstating their own burden. You know, it's it doesn't need... I realize why they're doing the impeachment. I'm actually in favor of it, but it doesn't need to go that route. And they don't need to allege crimes. The corruption is there plain as the nose on your face. Yes. I want one, one honest journalist, just one with access to president Biden to get him in an interview and say, how dare you allow your son to sit on the board of Burisma, a yeah. Ukrainian company being investigated for corruption when you were the point man on the Obama administration's corruption cleanup in Ukraine. How dare you? Is that not disqualifying to your ongoing role as a public official? Go ahead. I Let's- think it is. We're not going to see that, but I, I think it is. And I would love to see that. I, I go a step further as a father. You knew who Kolomoisky was. He's a brutal killer he beheads his opponents uh and you took your son who you knew had a drug problem and drinking problem and could easily be roped into anything and you allowed him to sit on on that board with that man are you out of your mind right when when he was drug adult we were just looking back at the timeline on hunter's addiction uh, and I actually have this right in front of me because I was looking at it in preparation for my show today. So he joined the board of Burisma in April 2014. That same year, he was just discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine. All right, that same year when he joined mm. the board, which Joe knows all of this. This is while his father was overseeing U.S. policy in, in Ukraine. Um, by May of 15, he had a relapse on his alcohol addiction by 2016, he had a relapse of his crack cocaine addiction. And this is all while he's doing business with, this, with the Chinese energy company, CEFC, while he's on the board of Burisma, which his yes. father knows because he's regularly calling into the Hunter business meetings yep. in order to lend the Biden name. He knows his crack-addled son is sitting on these boards, cashing checks, and he's facilitating it. I mean, at a minimum, this counteracts the narrative of what a great dad he is. What a great dad. I agree. I agree. Uh, Megan, thank you very much. We look forward to your uh, program. You can catch Megan Kelly wherever you get your podcast. She also follows this show uh, on Sirius XM. Thank you so much. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Stu has been hounding me all day because he says, I, I have something really important to share. And it's uplifting. Yeah, very uplifting. Okay. 
Would you like to hear it? Yeah, I'd love to. Oh, you've been avoiding it all day. I was well. No, concerned. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this is uh, it's a great story. A, a woman named Liz, 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 all right, made her first ever TikTok. Okay, should we have some like music, some happy music behind this? Or uh, I think that would be. I mean, it would certainly capture the the wonderful story I'm about to tell. All right, the story about Liz. Yeah, here we go. Liz. Right, give it a shot. She made her first. No, that's no. This is not. No, that's. Uh, it's not good music at all for the no. story. This okay. is Liz. All right. Anyway, go and ahead. Her first ever. No, oh, kind of nice. Okay, yeah, sure. Liz. Okay. So, good. a woman named Liz made mm-hmm. her first ever post on TikTok. TikTok in a powerful way. It is which happy. Is a real sentence in a news story. Yeah, in a very powerful way. She on made her first ever post on TikTok in a powerful way. Wow. Huh. Sharing her identity and story, and highlighting Glenn. That there's no wrong time to show up in the world as your fullest, most authentic self. Wow, I have a feeling <laughs> this is not going to be as happy as I was expecting, but maybe even happier. <laughs> maybe even happier. Maybe That's even right. Happier. That's the way to yes. look at this. Okay, yeah. So in her TikTok post, uh-huh. yeah, she yeah. Uh, said her mom told her at 11 years old, yeah. we should probably have the talk. Have the talk. And we all know what that means. The yeah. talk, the, right? The talk, the yeah. Talk, we talk about the birds and the bees. And, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, maybe in your weird world, that's what happened. But what, what did in she... Liz's world, was a little different. It because, was. Uh, Liz was apparently curious. She said, I was so curious. She was bi-curious, maybe even. Yeah, I don't, we didn't get Don't to that part of the okay. story. All right. So I was so curious. I was like, I just want to know, when am I going to get my period? Her mom, she said that to her mom. Right. When am I going to get my boobs? Okay, yeah. When do I get these tampons? Right. She wondered. She wondered. Yeah. And her mom said, well, we have to have a talk. We have to have a talk. You have to understand, uh-huh. this is when her mom told Liz that she was biologically male. Wait, I don't <laughs> under, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, yeah. Could we? Uh, re- what do you mean? And then I think that's that same horn and happened. So wait. Right. So <laughs> does she have male parts? Mm, well, that's a great question. It is. Let I'm, me just go on with the story yeah, and not okay. answer it. Liz's mom revealed that she wouldn't be going through puberty, not no. in the way she expected. Right. Liz explained she sat me down at the dining room table, all formal, with a folder of medical information, and says, "You are biologically male." You're not going to get a period. Again, I'm having a little problem. You're, but you're not going to get a period. You're not going to have kids. You are intersex. Again, not what I was expecting. Uh, I'm not. Now, poor Liz had a visceral... <laughs> This is actually the perfect music. It really does go every time. Yes, go ahead. So Liz had a visceral reaction, stating that the wallpaper on the wall started to melt off. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, it would would surprise me. Because I would be expecting, I mean, I wouldn't be, but if mom was like doing this and she brought up Metal I'm like, I'm a boy. That's not what mom said. No. It was even more <laughs> shocking than that. No, I think. You're intersex. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. well, honestly, I don't know. I okay. don't know what is happening in the story. Okay. I will be honest with you, Glenn, because Maybe. my first thought was, okay, intersex, that's like. Hermaphrodite. What they used to call hermaphrodite, which yes. is now a bad word, apparently. But that. <laughs> 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 the horn gets me every time. 
<laughs> so I don't know. Like I, that's what I thought it was. Because right. if you read this literally, right. you would say, okay, she. They did. They did not. <laughs> they did not explain to her like. I don't know what she act like, what things look like, but at some point it's different down there. And her mom, like, I guess, let her believe she was a, going to have all these normal hmm. uh, female puberty moments. Mom but, shouldn't have sprung this off. Mom should have eased into this one, beginning right. really. But early. then I don't really understand because she, if she's biologically male. <laughs> 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 okay. okay so she's biologically male and yeah. she goes and apparently goes through this process so i'm trying to figure out like okay is she like a uh an intersex uh, meaning the old school hermaphrodite both and i don't parts know that of, intersex means that now right well i and i so i did look it up okay um and so I don't know, because my reading it really, when I read the details of it, I think what's happening here is she just thought she was a girl, and her mom sat her down and was like, hey, you're a dude. And she's like, wait, I'm not going to get a period? No, because you're a dude. And then the the wallpaper started melting or something. Okay. I don't know. I, so, I, I, this, is, this is not the story you really <laughs> promised. <laughs> you know, where the world makes sense. Uh, oh, I didn't is, say that. I definitely okay. didn't say that. I, just said right. it was I read too far into story. it. Yeah. She's turned okay. this into a wonderful TikTok career, right. which, of okay. course, is how all of these stories right. end. Mm. But intersex is a nat- uh, naturally occurring variation in humans and it challenges traditional binary notions of male and female bodies. But listen to this end part. Medical, ethical, and social discussions continue on how to best approach intersex variations with a growing emphasis on human rights and informed consent. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I... It, are we getting to this point where, like, just like all these other letters in the LGBTQIA2+, or whatever they are, they're just sort of like states of mental doubting, or uh, maybe on the other hand, uh, certainty that you're something that you're not, right? Like, there's just, we just now have people who say they're non-binary, whatever that means, because they say they're non-binary. That's sort of the definition of non-binary. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Put the music back. Yeah, I, that's true. It works so much better. <laughs> Makes me even kind of happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, she wound up having to take all sorts of hormones uh, to, to simu- as she says, to kind of simulate a... <laughs> <laughs> a normal puberty, whatever that means. Right. She went on estrogen at age 11, and she, but she didn't develop breasts until age 22. <laughs> and she noted, there isn't any scientific explanation as to why things happened the way that they did. Okay. So, I think she's probably wrong about that last <laughs> one. <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see if... <laughs> We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. 
We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen.